You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter. Matt has the day off. Right from the jump, we're going to get into it. Tim Brando joins us. Tim, how are you doing this fine Friday? Oh, I'm wonderful. Good to be with you. And uh, I'm sure Matt is uh, cooling off somewhere, right? He must be <laughs> cooling off and dreaming about the... Uh, all the rock concerts he once got to go to back in the <laughs> That's right. Uh, that's right. Still living in the 70s down at the beach. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is, um, it's not a great day to be working at ESPN. I, I don't know if you saw the news this morning, but uh, about 20 on-air personalities are being let go today. And so far, we've heard that uh, uh, Jeff Van Gundy's been let go, Max Kellerman, let go, Keyshawn Johnson let go, Jalen Rose let go. Uh, there's whispers that Steve Young and Susie Colbert could be cut. Can you explain to us, as someone who used to work at ESPN and worked there for a long time and did a great job, what's, what's going on here? Is this cost cutting as a result of people pulling the cord and streaming or what can you just give us your analysis of, of why this is happening it's it's happening because of the mismanagement of the disney corporation it's not because of anything espn has done espn is still the uh the the, the part of disney that's uh, you know turning a profit <laughs> so no uh yes court cutting has affected cable television Yes, yes, Lars. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Everyone has uh, been impacted. Uh, I think uh, in a larger scale, the economy today has left the landscape of, um, of all major corporations uh, in, a, in a cost-cutting mode. I don't think that that's indigenous necessarily to, to the Disney Corporation, but this isn't the first time they've gone through it. They've gone through it now, what is it, three major times. Uh, where they have had massive cuts, and not just of on-air talent, but uh, more importantly, I think, of, of staff, production staff. And and for me, that's where, uh, you know, looking back on my time spent there, uh, I can tell you that the people that have been working at that place for 30 years or more, and many of them have been recently cut or were cut six, seven years ago, uh, it just it ruined their lives because when you work at a place like that uh, you live in that community it's not, it's unlike every other network job you could possibly have but I when I worked at CBS I still lived in Louisiana I work at Fox I still live in Shreveport Louisiana but when I went to ESPN in December of 1986 um, I was asked to, to move my family and become a part of, uh, of that family. Now, it was a much smaller group and, and ESPN was on the rise and cable television was burgeoning at that time and was becoming much more of a factor. Cable television in 1986 was like uh, the internet today. You know, it was like digital today. And so it was a, a boom time really for, for the emergence 
and proliferation of cable television, which which was great for sports and great for uh, a lot of people's careers, including mine. But when you go there and you live there and you become a part of the culture there, then you develop just unbelievable long-standing relationships. And so when you hear about, and I don't, again, I don't know some of the people that you, I know of them, but I don't know Max Kellerman, okay? I don't know, um, uh, I, I know of Keyshawn Johnson. I covered him in college, but I, I really don't know him, okay? But I, I did know Mike Soltis, who was a 43-year public relations man who, yeah. who really built his entire life around that place. And it pains me to see people like that uh, get shown the door. And they did it to Howie Schwab about seven years ago. And, and Howie created, really, uh, uh, research departments for network television. He was the entire department. And he started when we began College Game Day in the fall of 1987. Uh, and there are other examples of him. Uh, you know, one of the great producers that died this past year, Barry Sachs, had really done it all. He had, he had been in charge of many different divisions, mostly on the studio side of things, but he was also a great um, uh, associate director for uh, Monday Night Football at one time and had worked with me on college football uh, primetime in 1986 uh, before I went to, to college game day. These are all people whose lives were tied to that place, which makes it unique. You know, Jim Miller, uh, James Andrew Miller, who wrote the book, These Guys Have All the Fun, if you've never read it, it's about the size of a book of a doorstop. It's a long read, but it's a, it's a read that tells you a little bit about how when you go there, when you work there, uh, it's impossible not to become a part of, uh, of uh, a culture that uh, impacts your family. And, you know, I left in large measure because my contract was up and I wanted to continue to work there, and I did for four more years. But my wife was unhappy, and uh, I needed to make her happy. And I was fortunate that I was able to continue to be on the air in some capacity, uh, but not in the studio on a regular basis, not doing Sports Center uh, every night that I wasn't working a football or basketball game or doing uh, game day. I had some options. Those people don't. Not you know, A lot of them don't. And so when you've been in a place that long, and you're in your late 50s, early 60s maybe, and you get cut loose from a job that you've had for 30 plus years, Lars, I don't need to tell you, uh, there aren't many options for you. You know, there aren't. And that makes it really, really tough. A lot of the on-air talent, they'll find locations, they'll bounce back uh, in some ways, but I really feel for those those people behind the camera whose lives uh, and checks that they got on a, you know, a, a every two weeks really mattered to them. They were, uh, living you know check to check or month to month so to speak and that's that's horrible for them particularly if you've had the same job for a long period of time in a business that changes so much and certainly sports television does it changes every day you know i experienced a little of this at actually a lot of this at sports illustrated when sports illustrated was in the process of dying when writers would get let go it was not that big a deal because writers write mm -hmm. and we can find work. But an right. editor, an editor who's making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and living in Connecticut, 
suddenly you lose your job and you're just you're caught flat-footed because there's not a lot Absolutely. of editing jobs yeah. out there and so many of my friends uh they, they really struggled uh, uh financially right after being let yeah. go but all, yeah. all of them landed on their feet um all right just getting back in 1986 when you moved there and i know i've asked you this before but what what, what was it like socially because, uh, like you said, you're you're living in Bristol. You're on campus all the time. You're with uh, you're working with people your age. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys are all young. You kind of got the the world by the the tail, so to speak. Uh, what what was yeah. it like just back then? And, and who were some of your good buddies that you would you know go out to dinner with? Well, literally all the guys that were on the air back in those days, and there were only ten people in that. Uh, in that newsroom uh, at ESPN, uh, we were all friends. We were. Now, we were closer to, to some than we were to others, but we were all friends. I, I like to say we we worked together. We didn't work to compete against one another. I think that was something about that particular time in our business where being a part of a team really did matter. Yeah, we were all goal-oriented and we were all trying to carve our own individual niche uh by example i i I stayed away from uh the nfl in a lot of ways because i knew that was chris berman's uh terrain he he was mr nfl he he wants that's 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 what he was destined to do um john saunders who was my closest friend there and i miss him every day uh was sort of the man for all seasons um we used to joke that um uh, we were salt and pepper and uh, ebony and ivory of of that of that era, you know, the decade of the eighties. He's so talented. Center. We were the Jeez, yeah. we were we were the second wave. We were the second wave of talent that came in when Cap Cities bought the company from the Getty Oil Company uh, Corporation, and it was during that time when ESPN sort of took off with America's Cup. Uh, uh, got the rights to college football after the Supreme Court ruling. A lot of good things were happening, and he and I were able to sort of um, ride the, the the positive wave that was coming ESPN's way. He he could host, uh, but he didn't really do play by play. It was funny he he had never really called a game, and he wanted me to help him in terms of how to prepare to be a uh, a play by player uh, because he was going to do some college basketball. And I, I did. I helped him. Uh, I needed help because uh, I had never done hockey highlights on Sports Center, so I needed some help <laughs> with that. And his being from uh, Canada, uh, he was able and a great hockey player himself at Western Michigan. He helped me with that. Uh, Tommy Mees, uh, the late Tom Mees, who drowned sadly mm-hmm. uh, in the summer of 1994, was a dear friend of the general Bob Lee. We called him the general. Everybody sort of. Um, in those days, uh, took shots at one another. A lot of barbs were, were passed, and it was sort of a rite of passage. If we weren't making fun of you, then we didn't love you. You know, everyone was, uh, everyone was, it was open season on anybody, you know, back in those days. Uh, and I look back at the women that were there in that newsroom back then, Gail Gardner, Terry Ross, who's now married to Dave Dombrowski, who is the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies and had been with the Marlins when they won the World Series. Terry was the first sort of blonde bombshell to work on college football as our reporter on college game day. They endured a lot because this was before the era of uh, political correctness. You know, I like to 
use that that term, the PC word. It's all tied to the uh, uh, Anita Hill Clarence Thomas debate back in the early nineties. Uh, and so a newsroom could get a little rowdy from time to time, and those ladies had to put up with it. And uh, it was a different time. And but we all enjoyed one another's company. We really did. Uh, but you know, later on, and after I moved back to Louisiana and continued to broadcast for them, you could see the changes that were taking place because of the success that the company was having and how much more growth there was as a result. And as the great Bino Cook used to say to me, uh, and he was prophetic as always, yeah, Randall, it won't be the same when they get bigger. When they get bigger and they get more money, it'll, it'll take all the fun out of it. And and, and there's some, some truth to that. You know, uh, when you're in a smaller shop, uh, it, it's easier to know everybody and to feel comfortable with everybody. When it gets larger, and they got really large really quick then you know you have these silos that develop and um and i think that happened there and it happens everywhere as i said uh, it's not indigenous to them all all corporations as they grow go through those, those kinds of uh of growing things uh tim before we go into our our first break and i know you can stick around with us for a, a second segment um what do you think ESPN is going to look like in 10 years? What's your best guess? Is, is there a world that ESPN doesn't exist anymore? Oh, no. They'll, they'll always be here. I, I subscribe to the theory that at some point uh, the cable, the, the, the so-called um, oh gosh, what are they? Uh, they uh, the company is known and prides itself on being the, the worldwide leader, but uh, when my, my old friend Dan Patrick refers to the mothership, he's talking about ESPN, okay? Not the Deuce, not ESPNU, okay? Not uh, Deportes, uh, and, and not all the other tentacles of ESPN. He's talking about ESPN. The What's happened to cable and what's happened to the industry from a technological standpoint, in my, in my mind, is going to force the hand of uh, Bob Iger at Disney. This is just my opinion, but I think it's based on uh, being in this business for a long time. ESPN will have to be given freely to the public. In other words, it will be uh, like Fox or like CBS or like NBC. You won't have to pay for it. I I think that that's going to ultimately come. Now, uh, they're making, that's why they've invested to the extent that they have uh, digitally. You know, the, the money that they poured into, you know, the plus channels, ESPN3 and all that, uh, it's, it's immense. And as a result, the ratings from a cable standpoint have dropped because of the virtual aspect of, uh, of digital that people can have it on their phone, get it whenever they want it, respond to it. Uh, I think it's made ESPN, uh, from a cable standpoint, old news. The only way to make a splash and make it what they want it to be is for them to be out there over the air and 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 be like an ABC, a CBS, or a Fox. I think that'll happen within five years. But I don't know. I don't see uh, a world without it at all. They still, and listen, I, I they don't need me to champion them, but 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 I will tell you that they're getting more competition now than they ever have. And I think when people look at the services that people have to pay for to simply get ESPN, 
I think that's where it's gotten out of whack, and they've yeah. lost a lot of their luster with number of people. And the only way to change that is by making it free to the public. Okay, we're going to get off the topic of business of sports into actual college football on the other side. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, our guest is Tim Brando. We'll be right back. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat this afternoon, hazy sunshine, only isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 100, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, any afternoon storm will stay isolated. The high in the upper 90s at 98. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in to Big Noon Sports. We are speaking with Tim Brando. And Tim... There's some breaking news this morning that uh, I think for a lot of people would just fly under the radar. But uh, those of us in Alabama know all about Thad Turnipseed. He was sort of a man behind the scenes building Alabama into a power. And he took care of just so many different responsibilities. Then he went to go work for his good buddy Dabo Sweeney in Clemson helped build Clemson into a national power. And then he went with Brent Venables out to Oklahoma. And just this morning, uh, Thad, uh, it was announced that Thad had left the program. Now, to me, this is a huge blow. And I think it, it, it reveals a larger problem going on at Oklahoma. You cover Oklahoma. What is your sense of the state of that program right now with Brent Venables? Well, listen, um, you're right about that name. Most people would have no idea when they see the name who that is, okay? Because you very rarely, you always hear about the offensive and defensive coordinators, right? You know, 25 years ago, you didn't know who they were. But but you certainly know about them now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sports information directors 
uh, at colleges across the country uh, have have been, I think, devalued in large measure because of the advent of the NFL approach that Nick Saban brought to the college game by having his own ops guy. And when we say ops, we mean operations, guys that become literally the go-to guy for the head coach, the guy that sets up, coordinates uh, all of the opportunities for anyone to get to the coach uh, and really supersedes sports information directors. You know, that really does. If you're going to prepare for a college football game, by example, uh, and your producer that is in charge of the production of your game uh, is only going through the sports information director. Okay, if he's not if he's not made aware of who the ops guy is, then he's going to find it really frustrating to get you know time set up for meetings prior to a game because the SID has to rely on the ops guy to find you know what time in the day is clear for the head coach for the for the two coordinators and for you know one or two players to maybe meet with the the production people coming into the game so when you get to these locations you eventually are you may not know the name of the ops guy before you get there but when you get there you will meet him (laughs) okay so uh the the day-to-day running of a department and in this case the program a football program is very much like the National Football League now. And all of these guys, all these coaches, have followed the blueprint that Saban originally constructed way back when, uh, I think he had it in mind at Michigan State, he certainly implemented it uh, at LSU, and he's carried on through with it at Alabama. And now all of, you know, we, we see all the disciples of Nick that have gone on to become head coaches and so it became synonymous with, with college football. Um, what, what's happened at Oklahoma on a grander scale uh, is something that I think is impacted by this decision. This is one example, Lars, of you know the situation that the Sooner program finds itself in, really for the first time in a generation. Uh, going back to Bob Stoops, uh, when he took over as head coach in the 99-2000 season, the president of the university, who was the former governor of the state of Oklahoma, the president of the university, the athletic director, Joe Castiglione, who's one of the best in the business, been around forever and has a gazillion uh, former associates that work for him that are ADs today, okay, around the country. Joe has always been in his position. The president had always been in his. And the head football coach had been Bob Stoops until Stoops left, until Lincoln Riley took over for him, which was after the 2015-16 season, excuse me, 2016 season, that Baker Mayfield team that won the Big 12 with Joe Mixon at running back. Uh, And then we had the sudden departure of, of Bob Stoops. Those guys have been intact for a long time. And Stoops, as you know, stayed close to the program uh, even after his, his brother Mike was let go. Uh, and now what we're seeing, I think, is change, change at mission-critical positions uh, as it relates to who's, who's in governance with the university, 
Uh, I've not talked to Joe in a long time, but I do know that Joe's a friend, a real good friend. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be the athletic director there. I mean, he's been there for a long, long time. So uh, this change to Brent Venables is, is, was one of those, hey, we're all in the family. He's a Sooner guy. And he is. You know, he is a Sooner guy. But that one year, that one bad season was a devastating season. And to lose his ops guy with just a year left before they go into the SEC, this is a big loss. It's going to make a lot of news. No question. So you could, you could say that Oklahoma, after years of just tremendous stability, okay, in leadership, but I've always said if you've got a president, an athletic director, and a head football coach that are all in lockstep, you got a greater chance to be successful without question. Very seldom do you find major college programs that have all three that are really together, that work together and cooperate with one another and have good relationships. That's one of the reasons why I think we see usually the same suspects that are successful all the time because they've built that over a period of time. Um, Nick has been very fortunate to have had uh, you know, an athletic director that he was very comfortable with every time. Uh, and, and the guy that brought him in, I think, is, I mean, his legacy is always going to be there. Uh, oh, yeah. Because of his ability. I mean, no one, no one uh, could have done what he did. And his pedigree was the reason that Saban came. And there's no question about that. Yeah, which was it was funny uh, during the job search, and after one coach after the next kept turning down uh, Mal Moore at Alabama. Yeah. They start his nickname around the office was Malfunction Mal, and then he goes out and he goes out and hits a home run, and now he's a Hall of Fame yeah. Hall of Famer at yeah. Alabama. But yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, let's stay yeah. let's stay in the Big Twelve for a second. Uh, Sepp, our, our, our producer, and I, we were talking yesterday about uh, Texas. And uh-huh. is Texas the favorite to win the Big 12 championship in their final season in the Big 12? And you look at their, uh, you, you, you look at their squad uh, with Quinn Ewers at quarterback, who to me, he's just got NFL written all over him. Uh, you've got uh, really good former five-star receivers. you got an offensive line that returns all five starters. Is Texas a team, do you think, that uh, could conceivably come into Brian Denny in week two and pull off an upset and beat Alabama? I don't think so. Uh, But I will say that they're the most talented team uh, in the Big 12. And, but they've been the most talented team in the Big 12 many years, Lars, when they didn't sniff uh, a championship. Hell, couldn't sniff a winning season. Because the Big 12, okay, this just in is really good. It's a balanced league. And when you're Texas and you're everyone's biggest game in the Big 12, people have a target on you. And they have not been successful in dealing with it. Uh, Sarkeesian's got to have a great year this year. If he doesn't, he may not be around to go into the SEC. I mean, he may not. I mean, they can't throw up another you know, five and seven type season, and, and he's not far removed from having that. I don't need to tell you. Uh, last year, 
I think all of us thought after the Alabama game, oh, Texas is, oh, Texas. But you know what? When they went on the road in the Big 12, they still couldn't get it done and couldn't get it done at several places. So I don't think they're going to win the Big 12. Should they be favored to win the Big 12 based on their roster and and the economics? Sure. But that that hasn't been enough for a long time at Texas. Um since 09, really. So I think they're in a difficult spot uh, among the big programs and among the biggest names. And I like Steve. I've, I've, I'm a Sarkeesian guy like anybody else. But I don't know that even Steve can control what's going on around him. Texas, their issues go well beyond just the field of play. Okay? It, it, it always has been that way, and I don't see any change in it anytime soon. They're going to have a rude awakening when they get to the SEC because of that. And the Big 12 can't wait to lap it up and knock them off again and send them in bruised, battered, and beleaguered when they start collecting uh, Greg Stanky's checks in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I would pick right now Kansas State to win the Big 12 again. I think that uh, Baylor is very capable of beating Texas. I think Texas Tech is very capable of beating Texas. And if they come into the SEC off of a three-loss Big 12 campaign, how's that going to look? <laughs> yeah, you and Sepp are thinking alike. Sepp really likes uh, Kansas State as well. Yep. When does Tim Brando release his uh, annual college football preseason rankings? <laughs> it's coming up soon. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, when I get back, I'm headed to uh, our college football seminar with the NFL. We're doing it a month early this year at Fox because we've got Women's World Cup that's going to be starting. So to get everybody that's involved in college football uh, together before the season starts. we got to do it a little a little earlier. Uh, next week, I'm going to be at um, Terranea, the resort there, about 45 miles north of Los Angeles. And we're going to have our meetings. We'll find out where our first uh, games will be for the first three weeks of the season for Spencer and myself. So excited about that. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, Lars, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, because you've been so good uh, to me. How about we uh, we announce it for the first time on your show? How about that? Hey, hey that I'll is great. You, that is great. I'll, we'll give love. You, I'll give you. I'll give you my. I'll give you on the air my my uh, preseason top ten. We'll come up with a date. We'll do it. Uh, I usually do it in August. Uh, maybe the first week in August, and we'll get rolling. How about that? Oh, that, that, that sounds great. I'll get somebody to sponsor yeah. it for you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always all about the sponsors. You, there, there's um, got to be, be some place on McFarland you can find. Right? That's right. <laughs> I'll go knocking on every door. Um, yeah, all right, Tim. Final final question. I'm going to lobby a softball here. You know, I'm from okay. Nebraska. I went to uh, the College World Series. Uh, I went to uh, the second game of the final between LSU Mm -hmm. and Florida. And I could not believe how many LSU fans were there. They just overtook the entire town of Omaha. Um, This might be a, a, a chicken and egg kind of question, but do you think it's always the fan, the fan base 
that drives the success of a program or does the program have to have a little bit of success to get the fan base excited because uh you know I, i've i've long argued that it's the, the the fans interest is ultimately what matters the most would you yeah. And, oh, yeah. and i did and i just yeah. saw that with lsu just and, and just your thoughts about lsu baseball well wow. Yeah, well, well, let's use the, because we're in Alabama, let's use the football analogy. And I'll throw this out and you can tell me whether I'm, whether I'm onto something or I'm not. Um, would you agree with me that no matter how many more national championships Nick Saban wins, that he'll never be Bear Bryant in terms of what he's meant to the state and to the institution? His legacy? Uh, yes. His legacy? Yeah, you would agree I, with that? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, at LSU, what happened with baseball was born out of a creation brought from Miami and Ron Frazier's great program with the Hurricane with the pitching coach that he had all those years who was really the mastermind of Frazier's on-field success, and that was Skip Bertman. When Skip Bertman came to Baton Rouge, he took a sleeping giant and he went out in the community. He got local merchants to buy into his program. He wasn't making much money. The school didn't spend that much money on baseball. I mean, you know, it's not like LSU had not won championships in baseball. They had, uh, but no one cared because it was baseball. Okay, it wasn't football. Uh, Birdman did a lot of what Dale Brown did uh, in the state to support and promote uh, basketball. Dale had done it in the 70s. Bergman's doing it a decade later. Okay, 12 years later, he gets there in 84. And uh, he gets he gets the business community to buy in, to help support the program. And he would talk to everybody, the Rotary Club. You, you name the club that was having a, an afternoon meeting, Bergman was there. And mm-hmm. and he, he polished some of what Ron Frazier was about in terms of his public relations skills, pressed the flesh and got to know people. And people in Baton Rouge aren't that different from people in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa. They want to feel like they're important. So if the coach takes time to go and do that, and he's he's pressing the flesh, shaking hands, meeting people, then you're giving the fans a, a reason personally, not just because of their you know, hey, I love my school. I'm going to go cheer for my team. They weren't necessarily big baseball fans, but they had kids maybe or grandkids that were playing baseball, and suddenly it became cool to go to an LSU baseball game. And within two years, he got into their first World Series. I was there for it. I was still working in Baton Rouge in 84 locally. The following year, I started at ESPN. I'm doing some of these games in 86. If you watch Hold the Rope, uh, the 30 for 30 doc, or you watch – thunder and lightning on Mississippi State, you'll hear me and sometimes see me uh, talking about the emergence of these programs in college baseball. So I had a front row seat for all of that. And, you know, Ron Polk at Mississippi State, by the way, had done the same thing, but he didn't have the resources there that LSU had in the state capital of Baton Rouge. And so it became bigger and broader, and LSU had a chance, I think, because of population base and alumni base to to really build something great. And he did that. And now it's carried through to a point where football is still king, yes. But baseball, and by a long shot, is number two on that campus. 
And I think it'll be number two and a strong number two forever, regardless yeah, of who yeah. uh, the coach is. And Berkman did all that. And, you know, one of the reasons why Nick came to Alabama, I mean, he knew this. He's a smart guy. Yep. He knew that he would have the infrastructure and the tradition and the legacy to have enormous success because of what Bear Bryant had accomplished decades and generations ago. So there's your answer. No, I love it. And uh, Timmy, thank you so much. And uh, we will catch up again hopefully next week. And then we will start to figure out when we can unveil Tim Brando's top 25 preseason. <laughs> I think I have an well, idea who could be number one. I, ha- I, I don't do 25. Uh, I only do 10. Okay, and everybody top 10. Else is, and everybody else is just out. I'll do about seven teams that I feel that could get there, that might be able to win it all. But I, you know, I think once you get past 10, it's just a smorgasbord. You could, you could name 30 teams. That's where college football is. I think um, you could have 10 teams that are, you think, elite, and then there are probably 30 teams that can really compete and maybe surprise you. And last year, TCU was one of those 30, by example. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. All right. Thank you so much, Tim. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon. All right. All right, Lars. Big... My pleasure. Thank you, Tim. This is Big Noon Sports. We're going to be right back with Tony Curry. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Dad batter clothing around town on game days. But check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoots apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. My brother. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Interesting information from Tim Brando there. If you're following ESPN, ESPN's trending on Twitter. It's because uh, it's a it's a bloodbath. Over 20 staffers are losing their jobs today at ESPN, and you, you just you hate to see that. Uh, the latest that I've just seen is uh, uh, Susie Colber. Uh, has been let go. Uh, she's been there 27 years at ESPN, and uh, and I, I just think the the world of, of Susie, and uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a sad day. I mean, and also uh, Jeff Van Gundy, 
He is uh, he was ESPN's top NBA analyst. He was let go. Uh, Max Kellerman, who I also am very fond of, uh, fellow Columbia man. Uh, he got let go. He was making uh, five million a year. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson was let go. He was in the, the he he had signed a two year eighteen million dollar contract. Uh, Jalen Rose has been let go. And uh, uh, on a, someone you may not know is uh, June Lee, who is uh, we work together at uh, Bleacher Report. Just a terrific young writer, and I can't believe they would be paying him that much. And uh, why they would let June Lee go, an up and coming uh, star, in my view. Uh, he's on, uh, he's on, you know, uh, around the horn and, and does all the, you know, all the, all the hits, uh, uh, on the different, uh, shows at ESPN. Uh, and, uh, and also it's just been, uh, reported that Steve Young also laid off. Uh, so just a, a tough day at, at, uh, ESPN and uh, having lived through a lot of those tough days at Sports Illustrated as the, as the magazine was uh, shedding sal- salary, it's just, uh, it's, it's a terrifying feeling, you know, not knowing if, uh, if uh, the Grim Reaper is going to be knocking on your door or not. And I'm sure that so many of you listening out there have been through similar circumstances, you know, just in your in your own careers. And uh, unfortunately, it, it happens to uh, a lot of people. Happens happens uh, more often than uh, unfortunately than we hoped. But uh, we are efforting to get Tony Curry up and going. Uh, we went a little long there with uh, Tim Brando. But so, uh, Sep, why don't we go to break and see if we can get Tony Curry, uh, Tony Curry connected. And we will do the last segment of the hour with Tony. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, sponsored by Haley Sansing. This is Lars Anderson, Big Noon Sports. We will be right back. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Local church. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat this afternoon, hazy sunshine, only isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 100, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, any afternoon storms will stay isolated. The high in the upper 90s at 98. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 94 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in to Big News Sports. Joining us now, it's the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Tony Curry. Tony, how are you doing today? Lars, we're pumping water to your cottage, bro. The dean of music scene uh, joining uh, the big show, man. Happy to be uh, on and just heard uh, you talking about all these uh, cuts up at ESPN. And I was like, whoa, that was, uh, that was, kind, of, uh, that was kind of crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, and... Uh, you know, I've been through it. You've been through it. If somebody were to come to you and ask you advice for how, how to deal with a career change, what would you say? Uh, always have a plan B. 
um, you know, I was just flying high. I was in the same radio station, same business, the same company uh, for over 30 years and was let go. Uh, now, I kind of saw some things happening three or four years prior to that, but, um, you know, I never thought that I thought I was going to run it out for another 15 years and retire down the beach. But it just doesn't happen anymore. And I think this is what, what this tells us is, is, you know, sports are king. You know, we always talk about, you know, what's more important, Nick Saban or Alabama. Uh, they're great together, but the university will always be bigger than the coach, period. The university is never going to end. The coach will. And sports are always bigger than the personality. They're not always as big as maybe the player in a particular situation. But certainly when you're talking about sports, uh, we're going to watch sports regardless of who calls games, period. Uh, now, will I say that uh, they certainly accentuate uh and make sports better by watching some of these guys. The Van Gundy thing was to me is, and Jalen Rose is just absolutely amazing. Susie Colber, uh, you know, she wasn't on all the time. She did a lot of NFL stuff. She's pretty straightforward, not very opinionated. I kind of got that with the 27 year run there. Some of these didn't really surprise me, but some of them really did. Um, and you know, uh, I thought the NBA playoffs this past this last year were, were just fantastic with Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, those guys, and I thought they did a wonderful job. But again, I do think there's a situation in, in all sports that when the personality seems to get a little bigger than the actual sport they're covering, look out. It's, it's about, and I, and I got to be honest with you, and I know they wouldn't do it because he's the highest paid guy on ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, who got fired not once, not twice, but three different times from ESPN. And right now is the highest paid employee on that uh, platform. Uh, he knows what's coming, and that's why he's constantly expanding out his his, his platform and his agenda. Yeah, he is. Uh, no matter what you think of Stephen A. Smith, he he knows how to play the game, and yep. uh, he's doing a good job. So, what's the latest with you? Tell tell everybody what's going on in Tony Curry's world. Man, we are we are doing fantastic. Life is super good. Uh, I'm about ready to do a bunch of new things with Tony Curry Radio. We just celebrated our 1,000th anniversary podcast, uh, which is amazing. The fact that I've got over a thousand podcasts up on the Tony Curry Radio podcast platform, I'm just That's super incredible. excited. What started kind of as a whim with a one show, you know, let's do a show once a week kind of thing. Has now turned into 14 different shows, and we've got shows that just basically cover everything from blues to classic rock to computer shows. We have a pet show. We have a non-for-profit show. We do a show with the Montgomery Food Bank. I've got, you know, one of your former interns, and Alex Bauman does a show called Students of the Game that's doing really, really well. And we've kind of uh, created this one-stop shop. You know, if you're looking for a podcast, you walk in, you love this podcast, and you start looking around. Next thing you know, you're like, wow, this looks good. This looks good. You're going in for a pair of underwear, and you're walking out with a suit, a pair of shoes, and we've done something good. So it is all good and uh, about ready to upgrade a bunch of our computers and stuff, and then we're going to get digital marketing. So I'm really excited about uh, the future of our stuff. But besides that, I spent uh, six hours yesterday uh, in a car wash. Uh, my special needs son uh, loves car washes, and uh, he particularly is into this thing called a Fusion X. And there is only one Fusion X car wash in the entire state of Alabama, and it's a beautiful <laughs> killing Alabama, right near the Tennessee state line. So for not the first, not the second, but the third time uh, this summer vacation, he's like, when are we going to see the Fusion X? It's like, Xavier, it's three hours away, man, and the car wash lasts all but six minutes. I said, are you sure? And I said, you know what? I'm off on Thursday. I got my work done. I said, I got to do a show with Lars on Friday. I got a UAB show with 
Mark Ingram coming up right after I'm finished here. I said, let's go for it. So we run up there. We stop by the brand-new Bucky's uh, on the way back, and we make a day out of it. And so uh, I did tell him it's probably the last time I'm going to car wash before school starts. But we're having a great time this summer. And it's been incredible. You know what? That just uh, underscores what a good dad you are. You really are. And uh, Okay, so tell, tell us, what is Fusion X? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called a Fusion X uh, car wash. It's made by Jim Coleman, uh, Clipper. So Jim Coleman's down in Houston, Texas, and he builds these uh, Jim Coleman car washes. They build uh, certain types of gantries and and booms for uh, this Fusion X car wash. And then they sell them out throughout the country. There's like an Autex system, and there's a Fusion X, and there's a Masiglo, and there's all these different... My son knows all about this stuff, right? And so so he's like, I want to go see a Fusion X before my last 11 days. And of course, he's 15 years old, now 16. I was like, well, we'll make that happen. So I call down in Houston, Texas, and I get this Jim Coleman on the phone. This guy's a multi-millionaire. He sold like 100,000 these things. And he actually picks up the phone. And I was like, man, I'm trying to find me a Fusion X in the state of Alabama. He says, well, he said, we sold one of this guy named Tyson up in Killen, Alabama. I think it's near Tennessee about five years ago. You should call up there and see if he's got one. Well, I'm thinking to myself, and my son's standing right over my shoulder, and he's like, you gotta call me, you gotta call him. I said, yeah, I'll call him, knowing, knowing that no one's gonna pick up a phone at a car wash. No one picks up the business phone at a car wash. They don't. There's no reason to pick up the business phone at a car wash. Well, I call this guy in first ring. Guy picks up, easy clean car wash, killing Alabama, what can I do for us? You gotta be kidding me. And I said, yeah, you by chance have a Fusion X car wash. He goes, we do have a Fusion X car wash. And my stuff behind me was tears. I was like, it looks like we're going to kill in Alabama. I had never been up that way. Uh, beautiful part of the country, wonderful part of the state. Uh, about uh, two hours and 53 minutes to take up there. And again, uh, we were pleasantly surprised to see a Bucky's uh, just about 30 minutes from kill Alabama. So we stopped by that thing on the way back yesterday. And we spent our day looking at car washes. It was fun. What is it about the car wash that your son likes so much? You know, that's... (laughs) I wish I I knew. I wish I knew. He just likes likes this particular car wash. And he knows everything about the rocker panels. He knows about the wheel scrubbers. He knows about the wrench therm. He knows about the the wax. I mean, the guy just knows everything about car washes. And, uh, but he loves the Fusion X. And so we, we go, we go to the Fusion X. And unfortunately, there's only one in the state of Alabama. Car washes, let me tell you something now, Lars. Car washes are big, big business. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, if you've been to a car wash lately, I mean, first of all, they're charging like 39 49 bucks for this <laughs> membership thing, right? So you can get a car wash every single day of the month. Well, she needs a car wash every single day. And the only reason they do that is because it costs you $22 to get a car wash these days. For a six-minute car wash, it's $22 to get a car wash. Now, you go to the gas stations, you know, where it says, do you want a car wash when you get your gas? It could be like an extra 9 or 10 bucks. The car washes are outrageous. Uh, they got this new one called Take 5 on Highway 280. It's $17 for a car wash. $17 is ridiculous. And let me tell you, and you're my age, did your old man give you a bucket? Made me and a chamois every, and a chamois, right? And a chamois. Well, I didn't even I didn't even have a chamois. I had a I had a I had a hot I had a bucket, hot water, some Prell soap, some Prell soap and a and a and a, and a sponge. And I washed three cars every single Sunday after yep. church. Even if Me it too. was raining, I was washing cars. Then my dad would come out, 
check it, make sure I got everything right. We had SOS pads. Well, we did the white walls on the Buick. We had white walls on our our tires back then. But, man, I had to take SOS pads and clean the white walls. The did, you have to, did you have to wax it? Did you wax I did it? Not, I, we did, oh, we I were did, not a my wax dad made me wax it. Yeah, <laughs> we were not a wax, but but and I took a lot of pride in it, man. I took yeah, a lot, too. and then of course when when my dad finally gave me uh, the GMC nineteen seventy seven uh, GMC Hornet with wood paneling on the side of it, that was my car. <laughs> and, and and listen, people are like, man, how in the world did you pick up girls in that thing? Well, when you were sixteen, if you had a car, you were getting a girl. You know, you go near Spain Park or Oak Mountain now, and you get these kids driving these $83,000 4x4s and these Tundras and all these pickup trucks, these brand-new trucks. Man, back in our day when I was 16, if you had a car, you were getting a girl because you were the one with wheels. It didn't matter what you were driving. You know, I had wood paneling on the side of my car, for God's sakes, and I was getting the best-looking girls that would go to high school. I'm just telling you. Wow. Uh, I did not expect our conversation to go in that direction. <laughs> you never uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I apologize. We ended up going long with Tim Brando. Uh, can you stick around for another segment on the other side? Or do you know you what? Have, I, uh, I, I, I have got a, I've got a podcast at 1 o'clock with Mark Ingram called the UAB Director's Chair. And uh, there's been a lot of news going on there with that program. And, of course, Man, there is. What, Kennedy, so, yeah. what, what's your uh, uh, just real quick take on or analysis of the job that Trent Dilfer is doing and and what Trent Dilfer, the message he delivered to uh, other coaches around the country about trying to poach his players? Well, you know what? And, and the, the amazing thing is we see this a lot with a lot of first-year coaches. They, you know, what they used to do, they used to go JUCO, right? They used to bring in these junior college kids to kind of fill in the holes in their roster until they could get their own recruiting class in. And now, of course, with the portal, you don't have to do that anymore. I will say this. I know I've met with Trent already. I will tell you this. If you're into exciting offensive football, you're going to love what UAB's got. They lost their quarterback. They lost Dwayne McBride. They lost four offensive linemen. They are picked 11th in the AAC in the first years in new conferences. So I think a lot of people think they're not going to be pulling anything out. But if you like offensive football, you're going to love what Trent Dilfer's going to do because he's going to be flinging it all over the football field, which is pretty exciting. Defensively speaking, not really sure what they got coming back yet. I know a couple kids that are still waiting to find out. They got some transfers going on. But listen, UAB has been just an amazing story ever since they came back and never sleep on UAB. This could be one of the schools where a lot of teams in the AC do not want to play them because, quite frankly, he's been pretty secretive about what they're going to do for an offensive scheme. Well, uh, give uh, the athletic director at UAB, Mark Ingram, my best. Uh, Tony, you you're you're the best. Uh, we need to hang out very soon. Let's do we'll it, man. Let's, let's get together. Right. Summer's yeah. flying by, brother. Call me anytime. Right, All right. Thank you, Tony. Okay, Talk we're going to gonna be – thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. All right, next hour on Big News Sports, we're going to be joined with Bama Central's Chris Walsh, and we are going to talk all things Alabama football. We'll be right back. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 
205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz in Maine. And if you haven't tried the Miz in Maine dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A Town Square Media Station. One man to beat, you can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome in to Hour 2 of Big Noon Sports. I'm Lars Anderson. My running partner, Matt Coulter, has the day off. I think he went down to the beach. He deserves it. All right. This is one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people in the state of Alabama, and that is Chris Walsh, the founder, creator, editor of BamaCentral.com, the outlet that uh, is affiliated with Sports Illustrated, all things Alabama. I can't recommend the site enough. Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How's uh, how's everyone going into this holiday weekend? Uh, d- doing good. I am uh, taking uh, some time away from the state of Alabama, but I'm heading back. I hear it's quite warm uh, in in Tuscaloosa and in Birmingham. But um, yeah, and you know, today, Chris, is the final day of the college sports 2022-2023 calendar. Uh, And so the the new calendar begins tomorrow, July 1. Looking back at this last year, you know, I always come out with guns blazing questions for you. (laughs) Over the last year, not just in football, but in all of Alabama athletics, what to you was like the one or two biggest stories is it the well go ahead i am not i'm not even going to give you any <laughs> any hints i don't, I don't want to poison pollute your mind at all here <laughs> okay well you know it's uh i wrote about this recently we did a um you know what were the top teams of the academic year at alabama story um a couple weeks ago and i think that's when i wrote about Greg Byrne, when he held a coaches-only meeting about the the baseball gambling store, uh, scandal that happened, and you know, he, he, in front of all the coaches, he put up a list of all the accomplishments. And I mean, there were a lot of them, you know, at Alabama this this last year, and some things that you know some people should be really, really proud of. And he was like, you know, people are smiling, and they're like, yeah, you know, that's really good. And then he put up a list of some of the headlines that they had that were away from the, the playing field. And he said the room was completely silent, which, you know, you can't really, um, you can understand why it's, yeah. and it's, it's, it's kind of a shame because it's like, you look at this past year, like Alabama's women's soccer had an amazing run 
got all the way to that sports version of the Final Four. I think it's called the College Cup. And it's um, just absolutely terrific. And But, you know, what were the headlines? <laughs> Gambling scandal, shooting, um, you know, it's just just those two alone i mean completely dwarf or, or, or overshadow i guess would be the correct term um a lot what was accomplished and it's a shame but i mean we all kind of know that this is the the way it is and um it wasn't just like something happened and it got reported and that was it it was a constant pounding um by national media and some local reporters as well um some of whom you know, they they didn't even bother to look into the facts of what had happened and so forth. But that's, you know, that's, for the short term, that's going to be what a lot of people talk about. In the long term, they're going to be talking about things like, you know, Bryce Young was the number one overall draft pick first time, you know, Alabama's ever had, had that in the modern era. And you also had the number two pick in the NBA draft, which had um, only happened once before in program history. So... It's it's not a clear cut answer, unfortunately, on that one. Uh, yeah, and that sounds like some really good reporting. The fact that you were able to figure out what Greg Byrne was saying in that meeting, um, I love reporting like that. Uh, you, you know, Chris, when I, I'm currently in Nebraska, you know, I'm from here, and I can't uh, that, believe you're in Nebraska. <laughs> I'm totally shocked. I know. Um, yeah, uh, and. I've talked to a bunch of my old buddies and they, for the life of them, don't understand why Brandon Miller has not been arrested. I mean, every single one, because he brought the, uh, the, a gun to what ended up being a murder scene. And I try to explain that uh, technically, like no laws were broken by Brandon Miller. But by the time I sort of get through that explanation, because it's 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 not a very simplistic one, um, I've, they have, have moved on. I, I mean, unfortunately, this that's this is the perception, and I, well, I, sure. I if if it's the perception here, it's the perception everywhere. I guarantee you. Um, yeah. And how would you answer that question? I don't think I did a very good job. And and it's not like I want to be defending Brandon Miller. I would just want to defend the facts. And and, and how, how would you give the abridged version of why Brandon Miller was never charged with anything and why, in fact, he didn't even miss any basketball? I would just I would look at him and ask him two questions fundamentally. Number one, has anyone ever had something in your car that they that they shouldn't ever? You know, when you were driving. Yeah. Um, and start with that because, look, whether or not Brandon Miller knew there was a gun in the car or not, it wasn't illegal for that gun to be there. Um, and you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Unless somebody can, sh- can, can prove to me that Brandon knew that he was bringing a gun to a scene where there was something going on and there was absolutely no evidence of that, um, there's no law that he violated I mean, he was he was playing designated driver, um, and you know you think. I mean, think of all the times someone's been arrested because someone in the car had, you know, a drug, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, in this case, it's a gun, and obviously somebody died, and it's it's a much greater 
um, you know, you know, greater crime or, or not crime um, situation. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's we've talked to a lot of people behind the scenes. We've had to be very, very careful about what we put on the site because, uh, you yeah. know, we wanted to be incredibly careful about it. But I got to say, um, I think you guys do a terrific job of, of covering this very complicated, uh, emotionally raw story. Well, it's also, you know, yes, you want to be, you know, you want to look at both sides of it, obviously. And you want to take out the fact that he's a basketball player. You want to, you know, when you're doing something like this, you just want to be like, okay, what's the law? The the person involved, you don't want to have any of the other stuff, you know, because the fact that he was a basketball player is totally irrelevant to what happened that night. And we learned very, we were told very, very quickly kind of, how do I put it, kind of on the down low, you know, like behind the scenes, if you will, that what we were seeing people reporting did not add up at all to what was, you know, on the video, what was being said, and so forth. Um, so the initial reporting that we did was very, very just straight fact oriented, you know, there was a shooting, here are the people that were involved, here's who was arrested, um, and so forth. Um, at that point, it you know, we don't want to drag someone's name through the mud, if you will, if there's a possibility, especially if there's a possibility that they didn't do anything wrong. Um, and, you know, it being somebody who has covered professional sports as well, you know, with Miller in particular, I can guarantee you just about every single NBA team looked into it, looked into yeah. it closely. They they hired the best people who do this for a living. Nobody could find anything. Not one. You know, and every single time, like, I, I think I, like, twice I heard somebody, like, oh, teams are concerned about what Brandon Miller's saying. I was like, that's somebody throwing a story out there because they're trying to get his draft draft stock to drop. Because and and every every single time I, I would closely look at the story and be like, there's nothing nothing of substance there. It's somebody like, oh, I heard this. You know, teams are concerned. Oh, you know, come on. He went number two in the draft. You know, I, nobody found anything, and uh, it's sad that that's kind of the way things are right now with the internet of if you got to be first and you got to be splashy and, and, and you got to make headlines kind of thing. But I mean, you've probably noticed that the people who were the biggest critics have completely shut up about it. Um, and and I, I believe there's a lawsuit that's been filed too. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, it's just against a reporter. Um, I'll have to go back and double check. But I did want to ask you really quick uh, before we go to break. Last yeah. w- last week, uh, Miles was back in court and he was granted an immunity immunity hearing in uh, in the death of uh, 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 Jamea Harris. That hearing is going to be August 21. And so Miles is claiming that he acted in self-defense. Right. right when uh, Harris was uh, shot to death on uh, January fifteenth, and he then uh, basically he's asking the court to find him immune from prosecution, in effect letting him go. Uh, what, do you have any idea 
like does is there uh is this a, a hail mary kind of thing before or is this just like sort of uh the uh, judicial process playing out and then after this if he is denied uh, th- that uh, if he's if the court denies his uh, request for uh, immunity from prosecution, then it goes to trial. Is that is that basically right? Uh, yeah, and and when I start when I when I talk about you know um, requests and, and uh, you know, legal requests and so forth, I want to start with one thing. He's got a really really good attorney, um, Mary Turner's attorney. And, and she has a stellar reputation um, at, for, for what she does. So um, I'm, I'm thinking that, okay, there's something that it's, you know, if he says this, they could turn around and, and, and be, well, okay, it, you're going to get in trouble for this kind of thing. And, and it would be obviously a, a lesser item. Um, and if, if I remember right, the other guy in the, uh, that he is, that is um, also, being prosecuted, um, I think he Michael I think he applied for like, Davis. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I, no, I think his his uh, friend applied for youthful status. Yes, if, if I remember right. So it's a whole different legal standard for for him. Um, you know, it's it's obviously you know, I mean, he's still in jail, so it's it's it. There's he's obviously in serious trouble, um, but he didn't pull the trigger, and he wasn't. Um, I don't want to. <laughs> I got to be really careful how I put this because it's, it's I don't want to appear insensitive or, or inaccurate um, because he's obviously involved. Um, but it's it's like trying to peel back the onion and every little thing on this. Um, and it's a high profile case. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that they filed, um, you know, they, they asked for the hearing. Um, but it's, you know, the worst part for me is like he's been sitting in jail now for almost six months already. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is just going so slowly and I hate it, um, especially since some of the things that, that I kind of hear, I you know, he's not getting off scot-free. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but, um, you know, you wish they could, could speed it up a little bit. Yeah, I do know that uh, uh, his attorney, as you mentioned, Mary Turner, she argued uh, at the hearing that Miles uh, was not the shooter. She contended that he was a block away when the gunfire erupted, and she said that he attempted to de-escalate the situation that night and that uh, and that Miles never been in trouble before. So... We'll see what happens. Uh, this, I, 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 I sense that uh, there's a long way to go uh, before this legal process is uh, reaches a conclusion of any sort. Okay, we're going to come back and we are going to discuss happier topics uh, <laughs> with <laughs> uh, on the other side. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. I'm Lars Anderson with Bama Central's Chris Walsh. Best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. 
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat this afternoon, hazy sunshine, only isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 100, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, any afternoon storms will stay isolated. The high in the upper 90s at 98. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in to Big Noon Sports. I'm Lars Anderson. We are talking with Bama Central's Chris Walsh. Chris, uh, what do you guys have going on at the site right now? I know it's a relatively uh, slow time in the in the sports world, but uh, you guys keep cranking out the copy, very impressive fashion. Uh, what, what, what are you covering, and uh, and and what what plans do you have moving forward? And I know you have uh, 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 you, you have some new uh, new aspects to your site. Well, we are, well, let me start with today because everyone I know is thinking July 4th weekend, I can pretty much guarantee you there's going to be a news item that's going to drop in about three hours <laughs> and and um, maybe two or three. Um, you know, this is the weekend always when Alabama um, announces the minor infractions from the previous year. Uh, it's always July 4th weekend and it's always like, you know, it, it's, kind of ridiculous but that's it's what they do um you know just i don't want to say they're burying it <laughs> but oh, you know yeah the news dump is coming it's coming yeah the news uh, dump yeah. is coming so, so today's going to be a busy day but it's um i i appreciate the ask and we're actually uh we're, we're in the midst of a lot of changes uh we have a uh we're in the process of a redesign and we've planted the site so when it happens, you'll probably not notice it too much, but we're going to be adding a lot of bells and whistles to our site in the very near future, and this will um, allow us to do so. And we've also uh, turned over, um, we've had a lot of changes in our staff, too, and we're really, really excited about um, some of the people that we've brought aboard. Uh, basketball fans, they might know the the, the um, Blue Collar un- Unplugged podcast which is done by Blake Byler and um, Matthew Gibson. They're both on our staff now. And um, um, Matthew's a, a, an intern. I, I, well, Blake's actually technically an intern, but it, he's going to be our uh, full-time basketball writer in about six months. Um, and we are really excited about that. And um, we're doing all sorts of changes, um, trying to make the site bigger and better. And um, I we we think people are really, really going to like um, some of the things that we're doing. But, um, you know, July 1st for me is always kind of that time of the year where 
you, you step back, you look at the big picture of where you are and where you're going kind of thing. And we've never been this strong going into um, a season. And, and, and I, don't, I don't even, I don't think it's close. It's, we've got more people. We've got really, really talented writers. And uh, we're going to have numerous ways to try to tell you the story of the things that we're covering. So, um, yeah, please check us out. And um, we're really excited. I mean, SEC Media Days, two and a half weeks away. <laughs> That's unbelievable. How many yeah. how many reporters uh, will you have at SEC Media Days? I think we're going to have four there. Um, we... Uh, we recently added Joe Gaither to our staff, who who you know, and um, Joe is going to be going up, and he's going to be um, he's going to be part of our coverage team, but he's also going to be kind of running around and getting interviews of people, you know, that that you want to hear from, kind of thing for his show that he that he does on our site. Uh, so, uh, Katie Windham, who is our lead writer, is is going to. Um, um, you know, do what she does. She she's going to be our lead writer, and she's uh, Austin, good. And yeah, Austin you, you, have a, you have a gem there, and Katie. You know, you, you know, she's a former student of mine. She's awesome. Yeah, you're not biased at all. So that's really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Katie's terrific, and she's done a wonderful job for us now for three, four years. And uh, it's it's we had a, a, a change in our staff, and I mean it was a no-brainer decision. It's like she's our best writer, she's our lead writer, uh, assistant slash assistant sports editor, and um, she. It's we're we're going to try to free her up a little bit to do more long-form features, and uh, which is something we you know you don't really see anybody doing anymore of. So, um, but we're. It's 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 part of our core of, of what we do and what we want to be. You know, it's we want to have, you know, podcasts. We want to have videos. We want to have daily coverage. We're you know we're uh, Joe is 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 doing recruiting for us, and so it's we've kind of we you know we always say all things Bama. You know, we're the only ones who, who cover baseball. We're the only ones who cover softball and gymnastics, and those are. It's kind of our six core areas, if you will, that we've identified of this is where we want to be the best and 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 really focus on. But we also want to tell those stories of, say, the track team or, you know, what's going on with swimming um, with some dynamic and compelling stories. So we're going to be it's I've always been really happy that we've been able to kind of spread out and just kind of smother the campus better than anyone else can and we're taking it to a new, new level this year um we've got some really really good writers on on the staff you know chris for the uh, vast majority of your career you, you've been like me and that's uh, a worker bee right <laughs> working yeah. for somebody else uh an, an editor uh, um, you know, book editors, you, we both have written more books than we probably care to remember writing. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I'm still sort of in that mode of, uh, not necessarily being my own boss, but, uh, for you now that you are in charge, this is your site, this is your baby. What is the biggest challenge for you going from, spending you know 30 years as as basically a writer and now you are 
business guy, you're you're uh, you're the HR guy, you're the editor. I mean, you have so many different uh, responsibilities. Uh, what is the biggest challenge, or is there one that you can pinpoint? You mean outside of sleep? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got babies too in in your household, but yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, good question. You know, it's it's kind of weird. I talk, my wife and I talk about this. My wife actually runs the um, the career, career office at the University of Alabama Law School, and so we're both dealing with a lot of students. Uh, her a lot more so than, than I am, but you know, we we've, we've always had interns, and you know, we talk about this. It's like every couple of years. The, the the students that come in and you, you can answer to this as well as anybody it, you got to treat them differently and, you know it's 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 some of them you've you know it's like every couple of years I don't know why this this the dynamic kind of shifts it's like all of a sudden it's students where you got to show them every little detail kind of thing and then it's like you know then you get like you know it, it's, it's like another generation comes through and it's like you don't have to show them anything you know they're the ones showing you um, and it's it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, and granted, I mean, Bama Central's five year uh, anniversary is coming up. Oh wow! Um, in a, in about two months. Seems like five minutes ago you launched that site. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's five <laughs> years already, but um, and and to see how we've grown has just been phenomenal. But it's just it's you know even in that time, I mean, we I've dealt with. We've got like 12 people associated with a site right now. And I mean, at times we've had it up to 15. Sometimes, you know, obviously there were times it was less than that. But, um, you know, I've had, I've learned a lot. I, I've learned a ton doing it. Um, and and it, I actually, I hate to say this, but I, I actually think I enjoy, you know, running the site more than I do writing at this point. So it, it's, um, I'm probably going to be doing a little bit less writing as, as we move forward and it's also because of time constraints it's just you know I, I can only do so much but we've got we've got the staff that's you know top notch and and you know these guys are going to be filling filling those gaps um better than, than we've done before yeah um you know what sometimes i feel like i'm out of words <laughs> so uh it's like how can i come up with a phrase after writing about this certain thing for 25 years, how can I come up with something fresh? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's a, it's it, it's a it's a challenge for sure. Um, okay, so when we get back on the other side, I really want to talk to you about Alabama football. All right. Okay. And uh, and we're going to dig into some different position battles and uh, just get your analysis on, on where things stand. OK, you're listening to Big News Sports. It's Lars Anderson with Bama Central's Chris Walsh, who is uh, basically co-hosting today. Thank you, Chris. All right. We'll be right back. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Ted Batter. 
You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Local Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Welcome back in Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson with out, with Bama Central's Chris Walsh. Okay, Chris, let's uh, let's take a look at this uh, 2023 Alabama football team as it is constituted here uh, on uh, the last day of June. To you, uh, what is the most intriguing position battle? Uh, outside of quarterback, we're going to get to quarterback, but uh, outside of quarterback, what what uh, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm going to go. Well, see, my brain went three different directions, um, <laughs> and and I'm going to start with the one. Uh, it, let, let, okay, it's, it's, there's a couple of battles that I think are going to be really, really intriguing at key spots, but I think you have to talk about, you have to at least mention, and that's left tackle and, and the interior linebacker spots. Um, and that's just because I, I just I don't think it's settled. They've got some interesting guys who have come in who are challenging um, at the linebacker spot. Um, you know, they had injuries in the spring. Uh, you know, so it's it's – that's going to get worked out. I don't think anyone's really worried about those positions. Um, so I'm going to say wide receiver, uh, just because, I mean, yes, they've got Burton and Brooks and a couple of other returning guys that are going to be interesting. There are a lot of really, you know, up and coming young guys who are going to be developing this year. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time before they start getting some really, you know, moving into, into some larger roles. Um, another place that is kind of the same way with that is defensive line, where you've got a couple guys who are going, okay, yeah, we, you know, these guys are going to be the ones that they go with at the beginning. But I mean, like defensive line, they've got like 15 guys for three spots, and they're going to rotate, you know, at least six, you know, at least half of them are going to be part of the rotation. But how that all kind of plays down and develops is to me going to be interesting because the depth on this team is very, very impressive um, from from top to bottom. But it's, it's 
you know, you look at all the preseason projections, you know, and, and like, oh, who's picked his first team all SEC? And there's like two Alabama guys, you know, and you're just like, wait, what's the deal? And, and that's just because a lot of the stuff has to be worked out um, at a lot of different key spots. And that's why Saban, you know, in the spring, they did like extra practices and so forth. Uh, it was very much a teaching spring. Um, so the fall camp is, is at the start going to be kind of an extension of that. And then they're going to start gearing towards the season, you know, like three weeks later. Um, it, okay, let's go to quarterback. <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> how's this going to play out? And most important, who's going to get the majority of the snaps against Texas week two? I, I have no idea. And, and and here's the thing. Anybody who says that they know that what's going to happen, they're fully, you know what? It's Nobody knows. It's You've got um, five guys. I think you've got two clear – two – Two and a half clear front runners because you know two are freshmen. You don't expect them to come in and 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 win over uh, the team that quickly. But I mean, Jalen Milrow is kind of, in my mind kind of the incumbent, and Saban likes the veteran guys. He wants to give them every chance to win the job, win the team over. Uh, and then you've got the transfer from Notre Dame, uh, 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 Tyler uh, Bucker, um, and. Ty Simpson, don't forget about him. I mean, he's he's a scrapper, and we saw that uh, um, during the during the spring. He's not going to go down without a fight. Um, I, I I just I don't know how this is going to play out. I, I I don't see how anyone can even begin to predict how this is going to play out because there's just too many variables. Um, especially when you have a new offensive coordinator. I mean, you know, what kind of tweaks is he going to be bringing in, and and so forth? I don't think they're going to be extreme. You know, it's still a Saban team. It's still a Saban system and, and so forth. But um, this is going to take a while to play out. And I would not be surprised if the person who starts game one is not the starter by midseason or the end of the season. Um, it's someone's going to de- someone eventually is going to emerge. Uh, but it's it, to sit there and think that um, it's going to happen, you know, now. No, I mean this is a crucial time. I mean, stuff that's going on behind the scenes right now is going to go a long way towards determining who eventually wins the job. But there's no way of knowing, and and it's it's it, that's not going to change for a while. Um, yesterday, uh, Sepp and I were talking about a uh, a, a storyline that uh, is obviously going to get a lot of play this year, and that is, is the Alabama dynasty over? And I know we've heard that storyline a lot uh, over the last few years. But then if, if you drill a little deeper, so from 2015 to 2020, and I, I'm sure you're aware of this, it's a, it's a six-season span. Uh, Alabama had five national title game appearances, won three national titles. They played in just 11 one-score games. Now, just the past two seasons alone, they have played in 10 one-score games, right? And they've gone seven and three in those. But it, but it, it just it appears that uh, the the gap. I mean, I guess this is going to happen when another team in your conference wins back-to-back national titles. But uh, that, that, that the gap between Alabama and everyone else has uh, closed. And so the question is, like, do you think Nick Saban 
has lost a little bit off of his fastball, or is this just the cyclical nature of college football? Well, hmm. <laughs> I lean a little bit more towards the cyclical nature because, I mean, think of it real, I mean, very quickly. The number one team that everyone's talking about is, is you know, on top of college football right now is run by Saban's former right-hand man. Of course I was going to have you know, when you have the kind of success that Saban had, everyone's going to want to try to copy it. And they're still trying to copy it. And they've done a pretty good job of it. You know, let, let's be honest. And a lot of other programs have raised the bar. I mean, one of the teams I think we got to, you know, talk about this year about being a possible national contender champion um, or a national contender is Michigan. You know, and three, four years ago, everyone was like, they're never going to get past Ohio State, you know? And they got, they, they seem to have gotten over that hump. Um, but you look at Alabama's schedule, I mean, I keep looking at the SEC and, and adding Texas and Oklahoma, and I'm just like, holy moly, you know? But the schedule this year, the, the schedule last year, I think, did in Alabama. I really do, because they went to, you know, Tennessee and LSU, where the fans were foaming at the mouth, if you will, because they thought they had a real chance to win the game, and, and they did. And granted, LSU, I mean, LSU had to really roll the dice and gamble to win that game, but it did. It, you know, won in overtime on a play where Alabama couldn't answer. Tennessee came down on the last play. Um, and those were just absolutely impossible environments. Uh, but I look at the schedule this year. Okay, look, Tennessee's, uh, excuse me, Texas is going to be really good this year. Ole Miss is going to be really good this year. LSU is going to be really good this year. Tennessee is going to be really good this year. And that's just off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, the gap has definitely gotten smaller. I, I, have, um, I, I have absolutely no qualms problem saying that because, you know, it's like, like they say, the rising tide, everybody rises. Everyone is, has finally, be, you know, kind of risen risen up. Um, has Saban lost his fastball? I don't know. Um, I think it's an interesting question, and I think, you know, it's definitely going to happen at some point. But I look at the recruiting classes, and he's still bringing in top talent, you know, and last year they were one play away from being in the college football playoff. That doesn't tell me that they're done. You know, it was one play. Um, and so I know everyone is outside of Alabama is really, really eager. You know, they're sick of this, you know, Alabama domination, if you will. Oh, the, the obituaries are already have already been written on the Alabama dynasty. Trust me, they're yeah. just waiting to, to hit send on those. But, you know, you look at like, I mean, I, I think it was like Kirk Street last week was like, you know what? I think I like Alabama this year. And he doesn't even know who the quarterback is. That tells you how good this team is overall. So Alabama could win the national championship this year. I have absolutely no doubt if everything comes together. And, I mean, look, a lot of things have to go right to win a national championship. The fact that Saban's done it so many times is absolutely remarkable. But they are, they're on the short list of true national champion contenders this year. I'm sorry. Dynasty is, you define when a dynasty is over way after the fact. And until we get to that point, until we get to a point, like all of a sudden they've got like a five loss season, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. Um, I don't think they're there yet. And he's, 
this man adjusts better than anyone in college, college football history. So I, I expect them to be very good again this year. Yeah, I'm with you. You you need sort of the long lens of history to properly view in retrospect, you know, when it acts actually ends. Uh, and, and usually you can pinpoint like a game, right, when you realize, oh, they're not the same anymore. Um, but uh, I, hey, perfect I, I, example, yeah. perfect example. The Miami dynasty ran into Alabama at the Sugar Bowl. That was it. They were done, you know, yeah. and everybody knew it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying that Alabama is going to have that moment. Maybe it's had that moment and we just haven't realized it yet, but I don't think so. Um, of all the uh, true freshmen coming in, uh, can you name just a, a few who you think are going to have big impacts? Oh, man. Um, there's a lot of them. You know, I guess I better just go with um, – well, it's – okay. The first guy that I want to mention is Richard Young, the running back. But we haven't even seen him yet. So it's it's really hard for me to speculate on him. Um, well, you know, Justice Haynes is, is obviously going to be in the mix. Um, you know, he's, he's off to a great – you know, he's doing really, really well. Um Kaden Proctor, he's, I think he's going to, he's going to be a left tackle. I, I just, whether or not he's going to start on day one kind of thing. Um, cause, and, and just, you know, we saw him during the, you know, the eight day game and, and it just, you just kind of went, wow, look at him. James Smith. I mean, his teammates are raving about him. I, you know, a guy that I can't wait to see is, um, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Keon Keller. Uh, Ke- Keon Keeley. Uh, Ke- thank you. I don't know why. I just have the worst time saying his name. Um, I, I, I I am the worst at enunciating names, and uh, <laughs> Sep, Sep knows that. I it's it's embarrassing. Like I I just butcher everybody's name. Anyway, sorry. Side <laughs> note. And he just blew me away. Um, <laughs> I you know he was such an intriguing recruit. I I I, I think this kid's going to be probably a star in Alabama, but you know, like I said, I don't like really kind of throwing those kind of titles out until I see them at least, but I mean, everyone that I've talked to, they're just like, that kid's going to be amazing. Um, and then, I, you know, you got to mention Caleb Downs. It's, I, he's probably going to be starting day one at safety. Uh, he's the real deal. Uh, you know, I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to have him at a true safety position or, you know, if he's going to be coming off off the bench as, as kind of a nickel um, and then play the safety where somebody slides right. over. But does he remind, you know. does he remind of uh, Mika Fitzpatrick? Um, too early for me to say, but that kind of potential, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause it's he just, seems Minka to be the one, sorry. He, uh, Caleb seems to be the player that has generated the most buzz of, of the, yeah. of the true freshman. Yeah, and the reason why I don't want to say the Minky comparison yet is Minky just had this knack. You know, he knew where that ball was going. Um, and, you know, granted, a lot of it had to do, I'm sure, with film study and so forth. But, you know, this this guy came in day one and everyone was like, yep, that, he's going to play. You know, so um, good for him. Yeah. Um Boy, Mika, he he really was a, a film nut, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember doing some long pieces, and just uh, he was, you know, one of the the smartest guys you'd come across too. 
Um, okay, we're going to talk more Alabama football in our final segment. You are listening to Big Noon Sports. I'm Lars Anderson with Bama Central's Chris Walsh. We'll be right back to close out the week. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Blistering heat this afternoon, hazy sunshine, only isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 100, the low tonight, 73. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, any afternoon storm will stay isolated. The high in the upper 90s at 98. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Again, to Big Noon Sports, I'm Lars Anderson, joined with Bama Central's Chris Walsh. Uh, Chris, why don't you just tell us again, like, how can people follow you uh, in in what your plans are for uh, starting just with the SEC Media Days and and moving forward with covering Alabama in this uh, upcoming uh, football season? Sure, sure. It's uh, Bama Central, um, where your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. Um, and we are celebrating our five-year anniversary coming up here this month. I'm going to throw that out, out there again because I'm making myself feel old by saying that. Um, we, um, let's see, right now we're in the middle of our early season preview where we're looking at every single opponent for, for Alabama and also what we call a five-by-five series. Um which is five ways of looking at each position and who the best five players are during the Saban era. Um, that's kind of a weekend series that, that we've been doing, but we're going to be, we're going to have, I think four of those coming up uh, this weekend during, uh, during the holiday. Um, and that'll take us up to SEC media days, which my goodness, it's, it's already, it's already here two and a half weeks away. But um we are um we've expanded our staff we are really excited about the season we've added more podcasts we've added more videos uh more personalities that's uh definitely uh true and uh we're gonna have a lot of fun this season we, we hope everyone comes along and has fun with us um looking ahead uh alabama commitment uh julian sane 
uh, quarterback uh, from uh, Carlsbad, California, goes out and uh, is named uh, MVP of the Elite 11, just absolutely tears it up out there. Uh, and, um, you know, it looked as good as you could look. What, 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 is your, what are you hearing about Julian saying? And, uh, and is he, you know, I don't think this is a stretch to ask, but is he the future of Alabama football? He's, in my mind, he's the next um, great recruit that's coming in, you know, like in that Bryce Young uh, to a, uh, um, you know, I'll even throw, you know, Jalen was a big time recruit too, but not quite as, as big as, as Stu and, and, um, and, and, and Bryce. But um, he's in that same, you know, has to deal with high expectations and deal with people and um, does a lot of things right. Uh, you know, it going into the Elite 11, you know, the, the general talk was um, uh, Dylan Rayola was the top overall recruit of for the whole year and and that was just kind of that was just it and i mean he's great don't don't get me wrong the fact that that uh, georgia got him i think is is going to be absolutely huge for them but is this guy won this guy won the elite 11 comp you know contest um i yeah i think if, if you're an alabama fan i think you got to be excited about him and you know granted he's still a year away kind of thing so it's I, the, getting that pecking order in the quarterbacks this, this year is going to be huge because, you know, right now they've got five guys, and I'm kind of one. You know, if he comes in, it, it, the pressure is going to be on him to, to to win that job as fast as they can, and these guys are going to try to be holding them off. So that that's always interesting to me, that whole dynamic. And, you know, like I mentioned before, Saban loves veterans. So it's it's – it's going to be kind of, it's going to be interesting to see um, when he gets here and and you know you don't want to just assume he's going to become a starter but you know a quarterback uh, when you're that highly rated it's it's hard not to so were you surprised that uh, after the spring uh, that there were no uh, no quarterbacks at Alabama entered the transfer portal. And the fact that, um, that didn't—the fact that that didn't happen—what does that tell you? That was a little bit. I thought they might lose somebody after the the guy from Notre Dame transferred in. It was like, ooh, uh, that's interesting. But you know, if you're the freshman, you haven't even started yet, so it's not really a factor. And the other two think, you know, they think they've got a shot to win the starting job. So okay, um, so I understand why nobody did. Uh, a year from now, it's going to be different, obviously. Um, I don't think there's any way that they're going to be able to keep um, all five because somebody's going to lose that competition. And, and um, you know, unless you're Jalen Hurts, I mean, and, and the thing about Jalen, who eventually did transfer, but like that first year that people forget, when he wasn't starting at Alabama, he still got better. And you could tell he was getting better. And, uh, you know, that was that year was so huge for his development and still is, you know, to this day, you know, now he's, he's in the argument of, is he the best quarterback in the NFL? Um, phenomenal. But, um, <laughs> did you ever yeah, imagine could, that you would be saying that very statement when Jalen was here at, 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 in Tuscaloosa? I, you know, I really like Jalen and, 
it, it was obvious his his makeup was a little bit different. Um, and I remember having a discussion with an Alabama person, and this was, you know, after Tua got here, and the guy was like, I don't know what Nick's going to do because it's we love Jalen, and he's great, but this kid is just, he's got the wow factor. Um, and, you know, a year later is when the, the – this was a year before they had the quarterback competition. So, I mean, this is like right after Tua arrived. Um, so it's – a part of me wants to say yes. I'm kind of being uh, – not really. I mean, nobody can really say that they saw this coming. Yeah. Kind of thing, but, um, but I knew he was a special guy. I didn't – I thought he was going to be good at the pros and then probably go – you know, maybe going to coaching, like, you know, I, I think he, he will be a fun, a really, really good coach, but he's, I mean, tip your hat, man. You, you got to root for him. Yeah. And, um, yes, I, I, and I, I've, I have always thought the world of, uh, of Jalen. And I think if you were to give some truth serum to Nick Saban, who do you think would he say his all-time favorite player at Alabama is Jalen Hurts? Ooh, um, I'm going to say no, but I bet you he's up up near the top. Um, who would, and who I don't would that, know who, who would that player be? Barrett Jones? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Julio Jones? I, I was going to say it might be Julio. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, you and I have had this discussion, but I, I believe Julio is the most important player of the Saban era because he's the one that kind of got everything started uh, with the recruit, recruit-wise. Would you would you agree with that? Uh, you know, it was funny because the guy that I always kind of circle and say, this this the guy who led to Julio in a way was B.J. Scott. Um, he was the first big-name prospect that Alabama got and BJ turned around and kept saying come you know come to Alabama come to Alabama kind of thing and then it it you know then they got Julio and then it was he was off and running so um I you know that's oh. you know we're I, talking I've never, I've, I've never heard that before I've never heard BJ oh, yeah. Scott mentioned in that conversation that, that warrants a deeper dive at some point uh between you and I um, Chris, thanks so much uh, for spending an hour with us at Big Noon Sports. Uh, one last time, can you just uh, tell our listeners how to follow you and uh, how to uh, get to uh, Bama Central? Yeah, BamaCentral.com. And it's also, you know, Bama Central for uh, Twitter, on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Well, it's, it's uh, Bama Central SI on, on Facebook. But, um, Thank you for having me, and, and everyone have a nice, cool 4th of July, hopefully. Yes, uh, definitely. Everybody have a great weekend for Chris Walsh, for Sepp, for myself, for Matt Coulter. You've been listening to Big Noon Sports. Everybody be safe. Okay, next time you're at